Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Party rocking in the house tonight. I don't know the rest of the song. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride to Detroit.com. Pride to Detroit on Twitter. I don't know for how much longer. Uh, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Coming to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit as we are celebrating three. Count them. One, two, three. <laughs> three. <laughs> Wins in a row for the Detroit Lions. The first time in five years. That's how long it's been, baby. Five. Count them five as the Lions not only get a win over the Giants, but dominated, really imposed their will on the New York G-Men, especially to bottle up Saquon Barkley on the ground. We're going to get into all of that right now as you join us for the Pride of Detroit, Detroit, the only Detroit Lions show you really need with the Pride of Detroit POD cast. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host, and I make it adequate. Why? Because I'm adequate. If you know, you know, at Chris Perfett on Twitter, as long as Twitter still stands. And I'm here. I'm very happy. And I'm very excited. We are fans. We are analysts as well. And but we get gassed up when it when the Lions look like this, especially what a hell of a of a narrative turnaround it's been for the Lions the past month to go from almost universal calls for Dan Campbell to be. Uh, relieved of his duties and the, the, the whole, everything in question to all of a sudden three in a row vibes are flowing. And yet somehow the lions still have a top five draft pick. We'll get to draft and playoff stuff in third segment, but we got plenty to talk about on this game. Let's get to the rest of the crew. Uh, we'll go to Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online, currently handling a dog, but I think he can talk now. Hello, Jeremy, the producer Hi. of pride of Detroit. Yeah, man. Uh, whew. uh, I'm out of breath right now. Still, and we're what two hours after the game. Um, you got to pace yeah. yourself. You got to pace what, yourself. What a what a performance, man! Because 
I, I think you can look at the past two games and be like, well, okay, they won two games, but the Bears are bad. The Packers are bad. Packers are just functional in their own ways, right? Yeah. This, and this... so and so you, you you go into this game, you're like, okay, if they win this game, maybe I'll start believing. And, well, they wanna... then, they, and then they don't just win this game. They dominate this game. And, and listen, I've called the Giants frauds all, all year, and I still think they're kind of frauds, but they're not bad. They're a good team. And now this team has rattled off two road wins in a row, which is a big accomplishment for any NFL team. Winning on the road is hard. Winning on the road against a confident Giants team is hard. Beating them thoroughly on the road is hard. So I'm feeling pretty damn good right now. Jeremy, hard. That's what we're learning here right now. Anyway, the third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD joining us in here. Ryan, how are we feeling about everything that's just happened here? So many things to talk about. So many things to talk about on this podcast. I'm so excited. Like we were we were on the pre-show on your channel on No Decaf and we had to like bottle it up because there's so much to there's just so much to be said. There's so much to be happy about this game. And there's so much to be happy about the season. And there's so much to be happy about moving into a short week. I mean, like we're going to have Lions football again in four days. And it's going to be meaningful against the Bills, although granted, yes. I don't. I'm not uh, I'm not as confident there. Uh, part of that's because Jeff Okuda will be missing that game. But let's not look into the future right now. Let's talk about jo- what happened in the Giants game. And uh, this is where we kind of give our big thoughts. And I'll go ahead and say it right now. This is the kind of match that the Lions have been waiting for to get a game to get a team like the Giants who like running the football, who have a dynamic ground game with Saquon Barkley and just completely shutting it down. And that's not something we can say about the Lions, that they did it on defense. They're imposing their will on defense and imposing their will on the ground. Like uh, every last one of their touchdowns came from from uh, from running backs, three from Jamal Williams, one from DeAndre Swift at the end of the game. Jamal Williams entering rushing touchdown territory alongside Barry, uh, Barry Sanders and Billy Sims for his numbers. Now, granted, we all see how Jamal Williams is doing that, but Jamal makes up for that. The filching touchdowns that he's the heart and soul of this team and really just gets guys to fight around him. And it's spectacular to watch. And also, I can think of so many years where the Lions would get to the red zone, Jeremy, and just struggle. They would struggle like hell because they would try to be throwing fade routes or trying to catch Calvin Johnson back there or, or whatever. They're not used to being able to just even punching it in. And they did that. And they also did that while denying one of the best rushers in the NFL in Saquon Barkley. They did it while making Daniel Jones uh, unbelievably uncomfortable, and they did it while also getting uh, takeaways. Aiden Hutchinson gets another interception, two interceptions for an edge rusher. Kirby Joseph back off the schneid, putting himself back in the column there. Jeff Okuda, until he left the game, I thought was playing well as well. Like This defense is finding some sparks and uh, we guys also give it up for Aline McNeil, who I think we haven't talked enough about his growth and development through the season, but it was right there in your face today. But Aline McNeil has been doing that for a few games. He's been growing steadily for a few games. And this was finally the matchup, I think, that allowed Mc- McNeil to really shine brightly. It was yeah. game one on defense. It was a game one with with timely plays on the ground and timely conversions. And oh, Justin Jackson got in on it. Like that's that's. 
That's the DNA that the You're taking Lions away our second segment. I know, I know, I know. I'm getting into players. I'm no, I'm sorry. But I'm just saying, I, I use that to illustrate my point. This is the yeah. DNA the Lions wanted yes. from when Dan Campbell came to town. 100%. And they want it that way on the blueprint. 100%. You're, you're exactly right. And that was kind of going to be my main point here, too, is that this is exactly how the Detroit Lions want to win games. They want to stop you in the run game. They want to force you into a bunch of third and longs, and then they want to send the house and pressure your quarterback. And listen, Daniel Jones actually played relatively well in this game outside of two really, really bad interceptions, but... Still beat, the, yeah. still beat the Giants in the ground with his feet, too, which, you know, granted, sure. we know the Lions can't quarterback spy still, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's not it's not OK. <laughs> it, it's no, something it's that they're going to okay, have to continue but, to deal with. But it's it, as it, the was, NFL it, was, goes it didn't on. burn them. It didn't burn yes. them completely. But but yeah, and, and they, they dominated the tr- trenches. That's that's basically the, the simplest way to put it. The Lions dominated the trenches in this game, and that's how Dan Campbell wants his team to be built. He he talked about it in the postgame locker room celebration that you could watch through other pe- other players Instagram like that was a physical win. That was a very physical win. And physically imposing, right? That's that's what's really cool. And you mentioned the Lions being able to convert in the red zone. That's something that's been consistent all year. But this was a, a Giants defense that was second or third in stopping touchdowns. And the Lions scored, what, four in the red zone? I think they got stopped once. So you'll take four out of five any day of the week. They were good on third down on both sides of the ball. And yeah, I mean, and and they they did it essentially with their top without their top two receivers too. Like, this offense, 30 points again. We're starting to get back up to those early season numbers, and it's this time it's mostly the run game. And you have to wonder once DJ Chark is full full go, because he obviously, I mean, I think he played 20% of the snaps or maybe not even that much in this game. Once Josh Reynolds comes back, and guys, we're not that far from December, and we all know who's coming in December. So, like, this offense has another gear to it, and the defense is starting to figure things out. I don't want to finish that sentence because I'm afraid about what I'm going to say. Terrified. You're terrified that you're drinking the Kool-Aid at full aid. You, you really are. I think a lot of people in Detroit are drinking the Kool-Aid deeply here. And that's that's something to say about a team that's only four and six. Ryan, your a powerful thoughts? drug. All right. I mean, the Saquon Barkley number, I think what's even more impressive about holding him to just 22 yards on 15 carries is yes. that he had a long of four. That was the longest run. That Jeremy, Saquon what happens Barkley if you take it away? <laughs> what happens if you take not, that not away? Not much Jeremy? changes, honestly. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, maybe it goes under sub, um, or close to sub one, one yard per carry, but I mean, nobody could have anticipated that. You know what I mean? And I think it's I think it's really important to hone in on it because not only was it the Giants running attack and not only was it I mean, weather conditions, too. Uh, I think another big component of today's game was that it was outdoors. It was in the you know New Jersey weather. Uh, it was cold. It was windy, you know, and that definitely had an impact on the game in, in, in a number of ways, especially with the Giants missing extra points. But also the decision to punt rather than like go for the field goal, which I know a lot of fans hated for the Lions, but worked out in their favor in the end. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess I guess my point is that it seemed like and this is our opportunity, Jeremy, to talk about business time. But like conditions were perfect <laughs> for the New York Giants to have a hell of a game. Yeah. They the yeah, the, the Giants. The Giants want to run the football. They want to impose their will. They are very similar in the Lions in that effect. And the Lions have the 31st ranked rushing defense. 
And to tell me that not only did they hold Saquon Barkley to 22 yards on 15 carries, but you're talking about an MVP candidate. You're talking about a guy who is at the top of the list when you're talking about guys who are making an absolute difference on their football team. And the Lions shut him down in a way that like no one else has been able to. (laughs) the, the, The wild thing is that the Lions have done it twice this year. Yeah, they they when they played Minnesota, they absolutely locked down Justin Jefferson. And that was a team effort. I'm not saying that Jeff Okuda did that by himself, but like I'm talking about game planning. okay? because I think Aaron Glenn deserves a hell of a lot of credit Mm -hmm. for what he did today. And you held the New York Giants to 18 points and. That cannot be diminished and that cannot be not talked about. With and, my double negative, okay? And, and six of that is garbage time points, right? Two? Yeah. Um, but yeah, where, me, they, where they were willing to trade yards for, for time. Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to put this performance kind of into perspective, um, besides the fact that like this everyone knows how to stop the Giants, right? Like you stop Saquon Barkley and he was he was a leading rusher going into this this week. So clearly just knowing how, what you need to do is a lot harder than actually going out and doing it. But in in Games in which Saquon Barkley has had at least 10 carries, this ranks third in the lowest yards per carry ever for Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. That's a hell of a performance. And, and listen, I've, I've been saying it on my previews for a while now. The run defense has been steadily getting better week by week. And I know last week was a setback, but Justin Fields is kind of a different monster. And if you, if you look at what, Chicago was producing the past four or five weeks. Like that was really kind of an average performance for them, um, which is crazy to say, but either way steadily, it it really goes back to what they did at the bye week where they kind of changed their philosophy on the defensive front where everyone is crashing down and they decided, you know what? We trust our physical corners to be part of our run defense more. And that has been the key, man, because now you got, now you got a lean and you got bugs just absolutely clogging the middle with the, the edges crushing down hard. And yeah, that's going to make you get vulnerable sometimes to to the read option, to the wide stuff, and yeah. yeah, and to the wide stuff. But nothing's happening up the middle, and that's been actually pretty consistent over the past three or four weeks. And so that's like once the lines start facing more offenses that are that are like that, they're going to be in okay shape. And I, you know, unfortunately, I don't think the Bills are necessarily that team. But like the Vikings again are coming up; they're a team like that. The Jets, I bet, are a team like that. They're going to be able to to stop some teams and. Once the secondary gets completely right, if I mean, maybe I should say if the line secondary gets completely <laughs> right, because it feels like every single week a guy gets injured in the secondary, then this this defense of, has a really, really good chance of being not just better, but like, OK, or maybe even good. What did you take away? The one the one quibble I had and I saw some fans noticing it, there continues to be a lot of uh, friendly fire on defense. A lot of guys colliding into each other and creating injuries. Do you take anything like is, is no, that's obviously something they need to work on, but I think that's just kind of coincidental to the game. It's coincidental, but like, I think it was Brian Duker who mentioned it a couple weeks ago. He's just like, listen, when you're an aggressive flying defense, sorry, that's what's going to happen. Like yeah. it's, it's a, it's a violent game and it sucks to see. And it's frustrating to see when, when your own guys are going down at, at the hands of your own guys. But like, when when there are violent collisions and there's a lot of people around it, sometimes you're going to hit your own guy, and it sucks. But I don't I don't, th- I don't even think there's a coaching point there, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard to 
I, I think it's hard to pull the reins back on on this defense and tell them to like be less violent because like, that's that. no, because I think that that would lead to more problems than than not. But as long as as long as we're giving Aaron Glenn his flowers right now, because this is three weeks in a row, and I know that the Bears put up thirty points, and I know Justin Fields was having a huge monster day last week. But when the defense has had to make stops, they've made stops. And it's been consistent like that ever since the firing of Aubrey Pleasant. And I'm again, I'm not trying to not trying to connect dots. I'm not trying to say that one thing is for sure an indicator that the other is true, but the Lions are playing really good. Jerry Jacobs is a guy who's being a good player for them. I mean, Will Harris made an impact play. It's always nice when Will Harris when Will Harris makes an impact play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think I think another big takeaway for me is that the Lions just won this game in all three phases. Yeah, and this was my prediction in in first bite. Jeremy was that the Lions <laughs> the Lions were the Giants. One of the two teams was going to win by multiple scores, and I I think that where I came to that point is to, to, to your point, you were talking about the giants and their game plan and, and, and what their game script is and how they want to win football games is they can't fall behind. Like the giants are a football right. team that can absolutely not fall behind. And I feel like the lions are like that to a lesser extent, yeah. but today's conditions would not have been conducive to the lions trying to make a comeback effort. Like I, I don't, I don't think that the lions would have been in good shape unless they got out to the lead that that got out to, but they did that because of what their defense was able to do. So that's yeah. why I, I just cannot applaud the defense enough for what they did today. Well, and, and I think the offense also needs a, a big shout out because it, really the turning point that the, the reason the lions got out to such a big lead that, that forced the giants out of their comfort zone was the way the half ended and the second half started, right? The oh, Lions, yeah, for sure. The Lions get that touchdown drive late, a really impressive touchdown drive in the, in the second quarter. And like, then they leave a like little the bit. Perfect, the perfect drive, too, it because was, they, they get yeah. a first down within the within the five-yard line. Yep, to make them use yep. all their, their timeouts and all that sort of. It, it was great. It was fantastic. And even they had a couple setbacks. I think there was a, a block in the back on Panay. I think there was the the negative run from from DeAndre on the, on the goal line. Um, but yeah, like they, they respond to that. They score, they get a, a half stop. I don't know what you want to call the, the end of first half thing. It didn't really seem like the giants were ever really going to score on that drive. They but were then trying they though. They were, they were The giants they, were trying because they knew that they needed to. Yes. Agreed. Um, but then you come out and, and this team has come out flat so many times in the second half and you come out in the third quarter, you get the ball first and what do you do? Boom. Touchdown drive. Another beautiful drive. And just like that, just like that, they're up three scores. And that, I mean, that's your ball game. The Giants aren't, like you said, the Giants aren't a team that's capable of coming back by three scores. They've done it for one scores plenty of times because they don't have to abandon their game plan. But when you force Daniel Jones into an uncomfortable position to dark target his horrible receiving core, who got even more injured in this game, you're most likely going to win that ball game. And that's what happened. Losing Wandale Robinson was bad for them. I know Darius Slayton showed up, but a lot of that was just garbage time. I, I want to ask you guys real quick before we go to break, because they did mount... I did see some fans start to get really nervous when they mounted a touchdown at the end. And yet watching how that game went, I didn't feel nervous at all about like, okay, cool. There's like four minutes left and they just cut it. They cut the lead to 31, 18. Like that's not, that's, 
the way they the way this line that that's that's a testament to how the defense was playing in this game the lions defense sure. i'm like and it was also a testament to like i i trust this lions offense in this iteration right now against this giants defense who isn't good to get at least one first down out of it i wasn't i it was getting I, a little testy, but I wasn't feeling that bad. I really I've been I, conditioned, not, Chris. I know, I know. <laughs> Outside of that conditioning, though, there was nothing logically in the game well, where I'm like, the Giants are coming back in this. The the only pushback I would say is that the Lions' offense had gone a little cold after that touchdown drive. Yes, the, we the still quarter. have the third quarter problems. There was, yes, there was some three and outs. There was there was a few punts, but then the, to their credit, they did have the touchdown drive that I think came off a turnover. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a little concern because, like, I, I mean, th- this is life in the NFL, too. I don't want to make it a yeah. Lions thing, necessarily. Teams are going to mount comebacks. It happens sure. all the time in the NFL. So when you're up three scores, you can't get too too comfortable. But credit to the Lions, because this is actually the second week in a row that I thought the run de- running rushing attack did a really good job finishing out games. Because slow start to the game, but, like, you wore them down. And that's yeah. that's the whole thing. Like, if I you got, have a really good run game, you wear them down in the second half, and that's what they did. I got roses for one of the other running backs in this. I will say, final note from me, I always talk about the middle, the the middle, the middle minutes in this game around halftime. Lions two interceptions. I mean, no, screw up. Lions two touchdowns in the middle eight. A, a grinding for an a, a, almost five-minute drive coming out of the half and a touchdown near the end of that while den- uh, the end of the first half while denying New York the, the one-minute drill that they had to get down the field. One of my favorite plays of the game, the Lions on the very last possession. Uh, th- I mean, the Giants are they, – they have them in third and six. They have the opportunity to maybe get the ball back and – yeah, they're only down by 13 at that point. So a touchdown and an onside kick. And for all the reasons that Jeremy is, you know, shaking in his boots, <laughs> the end around to Khalif Raymond on third and six Fantastic. for seven yards and a first down, like one Beautiful. of my favorite play calls of all day. When there were a That's, couple of play calls that like I wasn't super thrilled with, but that like was dagger time, that was dagger time, but it's bound to happen in a game plan. And that was that was awesome. That That was a really good play call at the right time and it won them the game at the end of the game. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got to get into, I kind of jumped the gun getting into some individual performances. I think there's a lot of standouts we got to get to in this game. So we'll have a lot of fun with that because as always, this is a, this is a team effort and some of the individuals really showed out here. Uh, we want to let you know that the Pride Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's a jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions in their three-game win streak. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. You should probably add like a New York flavor. That we, we, what would a New York flavor even look like in this kind of thing? We, we take the New York. We take the New York. We bring it back with us. Pizza jerky. Pizza bagels. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. They may not have pizza jerky, but they've got bourbon vanilla. They've got truffle. My favorites, the turkey jerky and the beer and inf- the victory stout beer infused jerky they have. Wonderful stuff. I'm getting a shipment of baby blues barbecue in and some meat sticks. Love the meat sticks. 
And you can too, because why? Because we're giving you a special offer. You go to RighteousFelon.com. You can use the promo code POD1515 at checkout. You get 15% off your offer for all those great meat gifts for the holidays. Meat gifts, Jeremy. Meat gifts. That's meat gifts. Love meat gifts. That's promo code POD15, POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, game balls, other fun things. It's a celebration, as always. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Let's talk about some individual performances. I kind of tipped my hand all over the field with where we start on these. But I, I think, Jeremy, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the uh, offense? Start you with, want to st- I want to start with Aline McNeil. Let's start with let's start with the new large adult son. Let's start with the big boy himself, Aline McNeil. As I said, I feel like he's quietly been getting here. He's been playing better and better each week. And like I've seen those flashes, and I just don't think we've given him his roses. And this was definitely the game where suddenly – Everything put itself together. This was the kind of game that played to his strengths, just being a disruptive force up the middle, you know, getting uh, getting at Daniel Jones, getting at, at at Saquon Barkley, disrupting that entire Giants defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in that in the last few weeks, and I mentioned at the top, like that the run defense has been slowly getting better and he's been doing a lot of the dirty work, right? And I think that's how Dan Campbell likes to put it like him. And Isaiah Bugs too. A lot of dirty work plugging up that middle and and forcing running backs into different gaps. This week it was different because he, I mean, he was doing that, but the explosion plays were coming too. The tackles for losses, the pressures. In the first half, he had four quarterback hits alone. And now they, they haven't marked as three, but at one point they had a markdown with four quarterback hits. That's the one thing we haven't seen from him consistently is a pass rush. And he was a monster. And maybe it's just the Lions haven't had a team on the ropes like the Giants in a long time where they can kind of pin their ears back and be a little more aggressive with their pass rush. But he was. And Daniel Jones was going nowhere. Like, I know Daniel Jones finished with a lot of rushing yards, 50 or whatever. But a lot of those came on designed runs. He wasn't scrambling anywhere because that pocket was being destroyed right up the middle. And I think this is the best game Aleem has played in in his career and that's that's the Aleem that I think we've all been like, oh man, that's that's his potential. If he can reach that and play that at a consistent level, my God, man. Suddenly, suddenly the Lions have a good interior defending port force. And you combine that with Aiden Hutchinson, you combine that with Josh Pascal, you combine that with you know Romeo Quara. If he comes back, like, okay, well, now suddenly this defensive line is starting to come together. We saw the linebacking crew kind of come together. We've seen the secondary make some some strides, and now it's just like, okay. 
every part of the defense is starting to figure it out a little bit. And and if Aleem can, like I said, if, if Aleem plays like that on a consistent level, he is a game changer, an absolute game changer. And it was it was very exciting to see him play like that. Yeah, I, I think that's really important to to make that distinction, Jeremy. When you're talking about the difference between uh, Daniel Jones on design runs versus scrambles, because here's the thing I thought the Lions did a pretty darn good job of is, as you mentioned, bottling up Daniel Jones, because Justin Fields was the only quarterback who had more scrambles this season so far than Daniel Jones. Like he's a guy who like, I feel like that's how the giants, like as soon as the lions game's over or throughout the lions game, when I'm flipping over to red zone, as I've watched the giants, like, you know, move the sticks and, and move the ball downfield. It's been on like Daniel Jones, just like scrambling and making a play. And I, I, I don't know how many, how many runs there were today where like it was a scramble and he made a play uh, some design runs definitely bit them in the butt. That's for sure. And they, they lost some yardage in that way. But I think that as far as bottling up a a mobile quarterback, because I think Daniel Jones at the end of the at the end of the day, he does more damage on the ground than he does through the air. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a fair assessment of his game. And I think the Lions were able to limit that. I know that he still had a game where, you know, he got into the end zone. What is it? Didn't he have like 50 yards on yeah. seven carries? I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound like a win, but for this Lions defense, relatively speaking, I think it was a win for them today. Absolutely. Um, ground game. I, I I had a question in the post game. I know Jeremy feels a certain way about running backs, but I think Jamal Williams has earned his money. Not just in being a running back that punches it in, but like that man is the heart and soul of this team at this point. And to make a statement with that by going like they, they were talking. I, so I listened to Dan Miller and Lomas Brown on the radio. I'm doing the old baseball man thing where I sync it up to the the TV now. And they're talking about he's now in rushing touchdown territory where for, for Lions players that the only names around him are Billy Sims and Barry Sanders. And I get it. A lot of those are coming on like goal line stands. But Jeremy, you remember the Stafford years. How many times we get down the red zone and start tearing out our hair because there's no one reliable to just punch it in that you'd have to just keep watching Stafford have to drop back and find someone on a fade route in the corner of an end zone or something just for the love of God to make it work because you didn't have someone to punch it in that he stands reliable and gets you that kind of the same thing with Lee McNeil, the dirty work out there for you and on top of it just one hell of a a leader on top of it you see this entire team just react to his energy man he's he's got to be lions fans top five favorite guys he's he's entertaining when he's in front of the in in front of the press conferences and he's silly guy and he's very personable but but you're right he is the heart and soul of this team right now like there's no other way to put it he's he's putting up the points he's doing the dirty work he's he's being the emotional leader i mean all you have to do is go back to Hard Knocks, man. Some of those speeches he was giving, like he and and Deuce Staley had a really good press conference on Friday talking about it. Like Jamal Williams is a guy that's going to cry in front of you. He's the guy that's going to see you frustrated and he's going to put an arm around you and talk to you. He he's just like the epitome of a guy you want 
in your locker room and, and, and he's doing the dirty work. And, and yeah, like the stat, even the stats are, aren't great. Like the touchdowns are good, but like he has 3.8 of carries. They're like, Oh, it's not a very good day for him. No, he did damn good today. And he continues to do damn well. And I, you know, when we, we get down to the, down to the goal line, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from Jamal here because like I said, like he's the heart and soul of the team, but the offensive line gets a game ball today too because of some of that goal line work, because of, like I said, like this was a good giants defense in the red zone. They have one of the biggest defensive tackle threats in the league and not, not that Dexter Lawrence didn't get his own. He had some pressures. He had some tackles for losses, but good on Frank, uh, an injured Frank rag now limiting that damage. Good on. I mean, and Oh man, I, I, I wanted to say this because I, I, I think there's a really good point to bring up that, that uh, a feather in the cap of Ben Johnson. So this is a, a very aggressive giants defense, right? Mm-hmm. They like to blitz on third down. Um, I think they blitz 16 times this game, zero sacks. And I think a big reason why, and, and a reason why the, the lines were able to neutralize this, watch that game again and, and watch how quickly they snap the ball. Once they get up to the line instantaneous all the time, they're not allowing the giants to adjust to see what they're doing. They're getting to the line. And once they get to the line snap, go. And I, that worked. It worked so damn well. And so Flowers for for Ben Johnson. Flowers for the offensive line for not giving up a sack and only I think three quarterback hits and um, you know twenty six or so dropbacks. Um, really, really impressive performance. Again, a, a physical performance, a, a gritty, physical, dominate the trenches performance. And and man, I, I I can't say enough about Jamal. I can't say enough about the offensive line. Even when they lose the starter, right? Evan Brown goes down in this game and um, Skip comes up and he wasn't perfect either, but yeah. good enough. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um the the other the other the other player that I want to acknowledge for like 98% of his play because if he wouldn't have dropped one pass Jason Kabinda I thought had a hell of a game cuz here here's the other thing too is that he was in on third downs. He was the guy who was right next to Jared Goff in pass pro. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy who was leading the way on a Jamal Williams touchdown on his way in from, you know, within five yards of the, of the end zone, Jason Cabinda had an awesome game. And that was a guy who I definitely deserve or definitely who I definitely thought deserved um, some, some praise on today's podcast too. And can we talk about Khalif Raymond and just one of the most incredible third down plays that shouldn't have amounted to anything, but because <laughs> of his ability to get up and scamper, Smart. like, yeah, yeah I mean, when the Lions have been down, and here's the thing, I, I thought, again, two things working against the passing game today. The wind that was swirling, that was clearly a factor. But the other thing, too, was that, again, the Lions had DJ Shark, who was clearly on a pitch count and was being used in a very limited fashion. But beyond that, it was Tom Kennedy, it was Khalif Raymond, it was Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown had a great game. I thought that he made some timely catches. His catches, his his catch on the thirty-two yard gain was a huge play. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, you know, swung the momentum. I know Jeremy's not gonna like that, but I I think all things considered, Khalif Raymond made like quite a few plays that were big time plays, and that's something that was a concern going into this week. Was it not Jeremy? I mean, losing Josh Reynolds to having the back injury and him being inactive DJ shark. Yeah. You got him back, but uh, you really get him back. I mean, wasn't really doing much for you in the first place. Right. So like, 
again, the the secondary players had to step up and Tom Kennedy had a big catch. Yeah. Khalif Raymond made a couple plays like what about Justin Jackson? I I was about to say I wanted to go back to the ground game because Justin Jackson, your rushing leader on the day, averaging seven point three. This is everything I wanted to see out of Justin Jackson when they brought him to Detroit. I think that this was kind of a bummer real quick. And, mm. and 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 the reason why I didn't bring this up is because it seems like Justin Jackson's gain is almost DeAndre Swift's detriment because I don't know why he hasn't been put on IR. Like, I, I mean, I feel like that's a move at this point that the coaching staff feels like is a lost cause because it should have happened weeks ago. Yeah. You don't, you obviously don't want to lose Swift for four weeks because you're, you're going to put him on IR at this point, but the guy is indecisive. He, he's really, he's shying away from the put my foot in the ground and move up field when, when he needs to. And Justin Jackson, this is something we talked about on first bite, Jeremy, like when it comes to the ground game, who was the lions RB two? Because I agree with Chris, like the the heart and soul of the Lions offense is Jamal Williams. And like that guy is going to he's going to fall forward. He's going to lower his shoulder. He's always going to make a a play in the ground game. But like who was going to be the Lions second running back? Because Craig Reynolds is on IR. Yeah. DeAndre Swift is looking hesitant. Like Justin Jackson was the next guy up. And today he was the next guy up. He was phenomenal. He he ran more decisively than I've seen all all year because that's been kind of he's been kind of a dancer in the backfield because he's kind of that shifty guy he's been a guy that doesn't break tackles he's kind of light and you can see it in the game but today he was he was amazing he was great he may had a couple big plays he had the big run towards the end of the game that really kind of sealed it put the lines in in a goal to go situation that that led to that nail in the coffin touchdown from from uh swift it was swift, that time. swift. it was swift <clears throat> got it yeah um but yeah like I, I'll be honest. I was surprised they even gave Swift the football after that two play stretch where he fumbles after the catch and then just has a an ocean to run uh, run through to, to pick up on the third and one. And he just continues to run it outside and, and fails to pick it up. But they did. And to me, that shows that they still have faith in him. That shows to me that they still think he's a weapon. And I don't think an IR is coming for him. Um, but no, they're just going to hope he gets right through the season, which is rough. yeah. And Justin Jackson also had the big uh, kick return, right? Yep, he did. I think he had like what he had. Uh, it was like 60, uh, 36 yards. Yeah. On that kick got return. The opening drive of the, the second half got him mm-hmm. all started him at the 44 yard. Really line, good so spot. That, Look at Jeremy praising special teams. Well, the, One of the, we, we have the best extra point defense in the league. So uh, Jordan, their audible has, dong in the stat. Jo- <laughs> Jordan 1016 S in our chat, like brings up something that I wanted to talk about. Ben Johnson, just being creative and putting Penesola out at wide receiver. That like, it, we, like, well, there's that. And there was Ryan. We've been dying for two running back sets. We got three running back. We got sets, three like, running back. Three, three times running back. in this game. Yeah. No, I, like there I was a lot, of cool a lot of credit for this game and a third and one conversion. And how did they do it, Ryan? How did they do it? Jeremy? Sneak. Quarterback hey, no. sneak. They finally <laughs> did it and it worked. <laughs> I, I want yeah, it the, the one other the one other player that I want to you know point out their performance real quick, Chris. And we don't usually do it, and usually we kind of make fun of people who are always talking about this, but like Jack Fox had a hell of a game. Like yes, he did. He he was a he, big part in today's win. 
The only quibble I would have, and like I, I know where Jeremy's going with this because it's the punt decision, right? It's the one that everyone is kind of quibbling. Two things people quibble about: the punt decision late in the game, which, granted, I, I, I think even Jeremy, you were talking yourselves and in, yourself into it because, like, the wind was just, just 52, insane. Uh, yeah. they, they, you weren't kicking they, a field goal. I don't think they trust Michael Badgley for a fifty-two yarder, especially outdoors in the wind. That's yeah, fine. it just it, it was the right decision. It just it it turned into a touchback. It could have been caught a little bit earlier from the from the return team from the from the kicking team, and it just wasn't. You saw how Gano missed a couple of extra points. Like yeah. kicking from 50 yards today was not happening. <laughs> it, it was just a bad punt. Yeah. It was just a bad punt. Which is, I mean, expected. They're a punter. Why why would you expect them to do anything good? Their their All job right, is Jeremy's, to do bad Jeremy's things. back to being a shit poster again. <laughs> five five punts for two hundred and forty one yards. A forty eight <laughs> yard average is pretty That's why they pay nice. the big bucks. What about net? What about net? Net's more important. One punt inside the twenty. Shut up. What do you want to talk about? Anyway, uh, Hutch. I wanted, to get to, I wanted to get more of, yes, I wanted to get more of the defense a little bit. I, I was going to say the other, but real quick though, the other coaching decision I know people had problems with, and I think I didn't have a problem with it whatsoever. But I saw some people asking about, it. I think even Dan Campbell was asked about it. It was the, um, was it the uh, illegal formation for the, uh, for the giants that he declined? That one was, or was fine. it a hold? It, it was the holding. Like, the holding yeah. one was the more controversial because it would it would have either been second and nineteen or third and seven, and he chose he and he chose he third chose and seven. he chose the down. He chose to give them less chances. Yeah, I, I think I think it was third and eight, but yeah, whatever, yeah. same thing. Either way, I, I I do think it was the wrong decision, and not just in retrospect. Um, yeah. and it's not it's not because like I, I think if it if it's in a vacuum, a third and eight or seven versus a, a second and nineteen, that it's a tough call. With offenses the way they are, that, well, you, and, you can pick up a lot of. But in this specific situation, there's there's two things at play. One, you're you're playing the Giants, who are bad when they're behind the sticks. And I know third and seven is technically behind the sticks too, but second and nineteen is the other one being that they were kind of on the edge of field goal range. So you push them back ten yards, makes it much harder for them to even get a field goal. So I think they should have accepted the penalty there. I'm not going to kill the guy over it. I'm not going to call him an idiot. I do think it was a tough call. Um, but I do think he made the wrong call. Yep. Back to the defense. Uh, yeah, let's just give out some more game balls. Aiden Hutchinson, Kirby Joseph. Does Jerry Jacobs get in on this Rook- party too? Rookies making plays. Yeah, Jerry no, this okay. is, this is, but this is everything we've wanted to see out of this team. As far as like, I even thought Deshaun Elliott was good early on in the game too. Sure. I think he came in for a quarterback hit on, uh, on Jones, like just I thought the defense played except for Rodrigo a little bit. Rodrigo's a little iffy. So Kirby Joseph, we've now had a really good game out of him. We had a down game. We've now had a good game out of him. Is this kind of you just chalk it up to rookie growing pains at this point? I think so. Yeah, it's I mean, a hard I, position he, to play. He, he, he's coming off an injury, too. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I Listen, I I. I don't really have a strong opinion about Kirby Joseph's day, if I'm being completely honest, because the interception was kind of thrown right at him. Um, so and then what else did he do in this game that was noteworthy? Anything? <laughs> Three tackles? I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, the, the Lions defense didn't get t- tested deep often. And when they did, they were often in one on one coverage. And so I don't I don't really blame him for anything. I To me, Aiden, though, like he's he's stacking days, man. He's stacking games. He's stacking days. He's stacking interceptions. Yeah. He's stacking big plays. We had a discussion during the break if he can really get himself into uh, 
you know, defensive rookie of the year consideration. I just think the thing that's going to hurt him ultimately is just there's unless he does it against the Bills, that's the only primetime appearance he's really going to have to make a name for himself. If listen, I'm not saying the Lions are going to do this, but if they go on a playoff run, they they get attention. If if you're a team that goes one in six to a playoff spot, you get attention. And Aiden oh, Hutchinson, that's our that's, plenty of attention. I feel like it's a good transition to segment three. I do. Uh, Brian, I do. Can I yeah, talk really quick? I was going to say any final notes. Yeah, because I feel like as much positives as we point out, like we have to point out some negatives here because it wasn't clean and a day in which you let Daniel Jones throw for 340 yards. It's not a great day. And I know how much of that came a hundred plus came of that in the, in the fourth quarter and desperation time, which is fair. I just thought the linebackers were getting torched in coverage. And I, I think Malcolm Rodriguez does not look like he trusts himself right now. And it's, it's an unfortunate situation. And I, I think maybe the, the defense is not playing to his strengths as much as it was anymore because they're relying on, on kind of a different set of players in the run game now. And so he doesn't, you know, that downhill attitude isn't necessarily as valuable as it was. And we need a little bit more coverage from him. But uh, it was a disappointing day, I thought, for, from that crew, because you're allowing a, a ragtag group of Giants receivers, you know, a couple of them to almost hit 100 yards. That's not it's not great. It's not great, but I, I kind of viewed Rodrigo's play this season as kind of being gravy. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, it's a six round, six round pick. pick. Yeah, yeah. And whatever he can bring to the table, and especially that he's been being able to bring like replacement starter level play uh, to the table, I, I think that that's been a plus. And I, I agree, though, like the second line of the Lions defense is definitely something that needs to be improved. But that's something that I don't know, take it all the way back to the Q&A's that we did over the summer, Jeremy. Like we always talked yeah. about like this second level, of the linebackers. You know, this is not knowing that Rodrigo is going to be the player that he's going to be or that Derek Barnes is going to like flash a little bit. And again, Alex Anzalone, I, I, I think I think I came across this thought today while I was watching the game was Alex Anzalone is willing to play so violently and willing to throw his body into anything that it almost seems like he's worth whatever contract you're going to have him on. <laughs> and I think that's maybe why the Lions like him as their linebacker, because sure. like that guy's going to mix it up. He's going to throw his hat in on every single play and it might cause him to be injured here and there. But like he's a guy who's willing to throw his body on the line for anything. So I don't know, like it's one of those needs. Right. But like it was a knee that we circled last season. And it's one of those things where if you're talking about team building, you're talking about the Lions, like from one season to the next. Is Brad Holmes going to prioritize that? Because up to this point, he has not prioritized the linebackers. And it seems like at some point, in order to put a cap on this. Maybe we can talk about this a little bit in the third segment, but like the back end, I think you feel optimistic about it. The Lions pass rush, if it's healthy. They're about to get Romeo back. Maybe you can feel pretty optimistic about it. The second level of that Lions defense, I don't know if you feel that same level of optimism. Yeah. There's still there's still definitely, definitely holes here that uh they'll they'll hit the Lions at some point. We're feeling good right now, but right now I think these matchups have worked out in the favor of the Lions. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about the immediate future because Kool-Aid's at a fever pitch in both regards because the Lions are not only potentially in a wild card hunt, they also have a top five draft pick right now. 
parse that, figure that out. We'll break it all down and try to figure out if there's even any goddamn way that this can even happen. And we'll talk about that all next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Playoffs? Just want to win a game. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast, and uh, this is something new for us. I don't know uh, how much I trust any of this. I think some of you guys are drinking in way too much goddamn Kool-Aid now. But we've got to give the people what they want, and the people have filled up our phone lines with one thing and one thing only. Playoff talk and some draft talk, too. I know Jeremy doesn't do the draft talk stuff, but we're going to carve out a few minutes for that uh, for a, a different reason. But let's start with the fact the Lions could potentially be in a scenario where if they keep racking up wins, even at four and six, the NFC could be wide, wide open. And we're sitting here now in the aftermath of the Minnesota Vikings getting curb stomped by the Dallas Cowboys, which hurts it a little bit for one of those wild cards. But on the flip side, well, I'll just say it. I don't think the Lions are going to contend with the Vikings barring a immaculate meltdown and running the table for the NFC North. That won't happen. Right. But let's talk some wild card situations because right now, two of them at uh, seven, uh, I think now eight and four for the Cowboys. No, no, no. Eight and three, eight and three, excuse me, eight and three and seven uh, for the Cowboys. They hold the first wild card seven and four to the Giants. Is that right? Or is it seven, seven to three, three. To, seven seven to three, three to Giants? Excuse me. But then it starts to break down a little bit from there. The entire NFC South is only has five wins. Uh, the commanders are six and five. San Francisco is five and four. Uh, Jeremy. Listen, Jeremy. If the 49ers lose tomorrow night to the Cardinals, it's the, the five it's and the, five it's the 49ers, though. People expect this to be the best team in the NFC. They're not playing like it. Yeah, exactly. They're not exactly playing like it. So they lose tomorrow night. The Lions are a game out of a playoff spot, period. And you like that's in the hunt. That is the definition of in the hunt. And they got some things working in their favor. The one that thing that isn't working in their favor is that Washington is going streaking. But Lions beat Washington. They got the tiebreaker over. And they beat the Giants, too. They beat the Giants now, too. Absolutely. So if the Giants go on a downward spiral, if they start losing all of those one-score games that they're winning, good news for the Lions. And the Lions have a 4-4 four and four record in the conference. That's a big tiebreaker, and that's a pretty good record. They have a, div- a high divisional record at 2-1 and one right now. Things are working in their favor where, yeah, if they win, how many games? They got, they got seven games left. If they win five of those... They got a real chance, man. That puts them at nine and eight. If they go five and two the rest of the way, a very, very real chance that 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 is good enough to make the playoffs. And I'm not saying that they will, but we just, I mean, we just talked about everything, right? Like the defense is starting to come together. The offense is going to be getting some key pieces that that'll bring it back. The, the, The passing game that has been missing for the past two months. Like there's reason to think this is, there's a chance here. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. A one in 16 making the playoffs 
by my count has happened once ever. And I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but I saw it in an article a couple years ago may have changed since then. One team has ever done it. And, and are you going to be the one that bets on the Detroit lions of all franchises to do that? Probably not, but I mean, okay. Do do we want to do do we want to do the schedule thing and just look at the games and see see what we feel? Yeah, about let's do let's games? do the most base level, just knuckle drag radio talk out there, going game by game on the schedule because that's what we like to do here. I'm not even being sarcastic. This is something we're going to do. So right up the bat, Bills. Bills have opened as a ten point favorite in Detroit, and Ryan spent our break encouraging people to basically gamble Lions plus ten. Yeah. Don't do this game. Don't do that, people. hundred percent put money on the Lions plus 10, but they're not going to win this football game. Yeah. I mean, I understand the bills have looked vulnerable lately, especially with their defensive side with some of the injuries that piled up, but like 10 points, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points points for a team that's on a three game winning streak. Who's like Josh Allen is not Stephon Diggs. Yeah. They they got Diggs out of this game. Who's going to stop Stephon Diggs? I don't know, but I trust Aaron Glenn to try to figure it out. After three straight games like this, Jeremy, I think I I think I'm going to trust Aaron Glenn to come up with a plan. Here's here's the thing: in this three game winning streak, they have not faced a team with a good passing offense. But the Bills can't they can't really run the football. I don't. They're not. Care. They're they're they not can a throw team the that football. runs the football really well. Okay. Doesn't matter. They're going to throw the crap out of the. I mean, the same way the Dolphins did. We don't. It, we can't play this game and think that the defense is going to turn this around. It's going to be a smoked. different test. I don't think they're going to get smoked. They didn't get smoked by the Dolphins. They kind of did it, it. Not really. They were up by 10 at halftime. Okay. All right. Fair, but like, the, yes, but the they offense collect, isn't they, where, where it was then. Although they put up 30 this week. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying they're going to put all, up a lot of points. They might, but I think the Lions will put up a lot of points too. I like so. I, I, I think they will. And, and that's, that's the place I'm at with them in terms of them making a playoff run. I think the Lions can make a playoff run. So long as their offense continues to get healthier yeah, and they continue sure. to put up points because sure. here's the thing. You can say this about any team in the NFL. If you're consistently putting up 28, 29, 30 points a game, you're Give going to be in a lot of football games. True. You're going to be in a lot of football games. And I think that the lions, if they add Jamison Williams, <laughs> they're only going to get like three games out of him. They are, but it could be three really important games. Yeah. Well, let's keep going down that schedule because really after you get over that hump with the Bills, you host the Jaguars. Which we all kind of agree the Bills game is going to be a loss. Yeah. Right. But then yeah. they play the Jaguars, Chris. The Jaguars are also a pass heavy team, but Trevor Lawrence has been very inconsistent through the year. He's been susceptible to pass rush. That is, that is, they're, they're kind of like, I would say, Ryan, they're a lot like the Bears minus that Trevor Lawrence can really give you the same kind of stuff Justin Fields can on the ground. Like their offensive line is no bueno. Yeah. So I, I think that's a very winnable game for the Lions at this point. It, yeah. it, it, it's a game where they can be competitive and yes. like it, it could go either way. And, that's the important thing, I think, of even just going into Thanksgiving. The Lions are mm. four and six. They're they're heading into a matchup with a team that is better than them for all intents and purposes, should win the football game. They are playing with house money. We talked about this pre-stream, but like they are playing with house money. I think the Lions, we're gonna get to the rest of their schedule, but I think they're gonna win at least two to three more games. And I but think that, the Jaguars are one of them. Six, though, right? Like that that's the thing, is like 
I feel like a lot of these are going to be 50-50 ball games. We're looking at them now. We're like, yes, they're going to have to win these close ones. And but so they're you, winning those games. They're well, they, winning those close games as of they, late. They've won two of them. Yes. Yeah. They've also lost more than two of them. Well, here's where it gets dicey after the Jaguars because it's a rematch with the Vikings at home. And I look, I, I know they just got smoked by the Cowboys. Trounce. Just Trounce. absolutely. Cr- they came into that game with a with a like 30 some plus point differential and they're leaving minus two for the season. Forty to three. Forty to three. Kirk Cousins just destroyed. But guess what? That's Kirk Cousins out of the one p.m. window. <laughs> And there's been so many studies about that Kirk is like Cinderella. He turns into a goddamn pumpkin when he doesn't play at 1 p.m. What you're saying is we have to start spamming NBC to make that the Sunday night game. Flex that game. Flex that game right now. Flex that game game right now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We need it flexed. But that that feels like a 50-50 game where I think... How many well, you already I, lost to the Vikings once. It's a different team. Like it's hard for a team to sweep another team in season. It just statistically, it splits a lot of the time. I it mean, is. It is. Bears, but it, it, Bears I'm saying that Dan Campbell is good against the division, right? Like he has, he's 500, I think against the division or close to it. I think what's a <laughs> tangible thing that you can feel with this is that if we had this discussion where we were prognosticating the schedule three weeks ago, before the Packers game, like we're looking at this Viking game and being like, yeah, that's a loss. Like, you know what I mean? Like it will really, I, this game will really depend on the health of the team too. You need guys like Jeff Okuda to be healthy and ready to play for this. hundred percent. But I think like, as soon as we're talking about this Vikings game at home, I think we're talking about two names. I think we're talking about Romeo Aquara. And I think we're talking about Jamison Williams, both playing. <laughs> that would be something. It might be early for Jamo, but. It's close to when we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that Bills game, Jaguars game, we're into December. Like, yeah. I think that, I think that, I think it's reasonable to expect that. Especially, here's going to be the question, though. Do you push JMO? If you start getting the hunt, well, let's talk about that when we get there. Oh <laughs> like, man, that's I don't know. That's a legit. I still need question, to get through the though. schedule. You want me to get through the go schedule? Ahead. All right, let's go. Yeah. Fire through. So right after that, back to the Meadowlands with the Jets. Tougher Zach Wilson ain't we anticipated. A guy. Yeah, right. Tough. Agreed. I think I think I think that's a good matchup for Detroit, though. Honestly, I know it's at yeah. New York. We just won at New York, so that's not a big deal. Um, Been there, really, done that. Really tough defensive team, right? And so low scoring game. They're they're kind of a trash offense, and I feel like that plays to Detroit well. Losing you can Brees Russell Hall really you, hurt. You like, can Russell losing Zach Brees Wilson. Wall really hurt. Yeah, yeah, I I trust this Lions offense to win a game against a good defense, rather than trusting a defense to take Stop down a, a good, good offense. offense. Right. Agreed. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I. By the way, I I've been listening to the Dan Miller Lomas Brown radio broadcasts. And Dan was confused. He thought there was a flag on the field in the Meadowlands. And Lomas had to correct him. He was like, no, that's just a piece of trash. Yeah, there was a yeah. lot of trash <laughs> on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really You're weird. in New York, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> <It> just <laughs> Anyway, so expect that again. Anyway, then after that is the Panthers. And I don't know how to read the Panthers. It feels like they've thrown in the towel on the season. Uh, three to 13 against Baltimore. I mean, they're three and eight. They're pretty bad. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad. They, I, they fired I don't, their coach. They've kind of thrown in the towel. I don't. Is Baker Mayfield still starting for them, Ryan? 
Well, I think they want it to be PJ Walker. They, they are the Baker Mayfield started this game, played the entire he, game. Yeah, he did because PJ Walker was hurt. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why the Panthers would want to win football games. Here's here's not the saying thing. that they're going to intentionally tank, but I'm just saying like. There's quite clearly two teams at the top of this draft class that want quarterbacks. Look at and how, it would be Houston and it would be Carolina. I would say this. Look at how the Ra- how the Ravens beat them. They're big. They're they're kind of like the the a lesser version of the Giants in that they want to run through Donta Foreman, who has worked out in them in the past. He was held to twenty four yards today by the Ravens. Wow! If your football strategy is I'm going to win the football game through Dante Foreman, I hope the Lions can beat that team. <laughs> yeah. I really I, hope the Lions can beat I, that team. I think this game is by far the most winnable. And if, if this so. team is serious about making a playoff run, that, that game shouldn't even be close. You have to have that. Yeah. Uh, hosting the Bears. I We own them. I don't like that game. I'm sorry. No. I don't no. like playing the Bears at all. I feel like they got outplayed by the Bears last week and kind of got lucky. I, I guess this is all building up to the fact that we're talking about Packers in Lambeau to end the year being an incredibly meaningful game. And that scares yeah. the shit out of me. That scares the absolute you know what? goddamn shit out of me. It doesn't to me because the Packers throw it in in week 18 when they're not in it. When even Starting like Jordan they, Love? Yeah. Like, I think Jordan Love will, will probably start that game. Honestly, like, I don't think the Packers are going to be in it. And and I don't like the Lions beat the shit out of the backup. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because they just barely beat the backups last year. Um, but like. I don't want to say the Packers throw in week 18, but they 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 don't try. And so I I think that's a win. I think that's a win. I think the Panthers are a win. And I basically view almost everything else as a, as a 50-50, except the Bills as a loss. Which means that, like, the Lions could finish with eight wins? Sure. No, they. I mean, they can get they can get to nine for sure. So like, nine? I mean, let's, let's let's do the math. Let's do the math. They're at four. There's seven okay. games left. I yeah. say they win two more. They should win two more for sure. Six. Yeah. Six. They should lose one. So that makes them what? Six and seven. Yep. With how yeah, many? Nine wins is four? enough for not nine wins is, but the point is that nine wins is more than enough for wild card in the, in the NFC this year. Sure. So I have them at six and seven, those four games that are 50, 50, if they split them, they're at eight, and nine, which means they don't, in my opinion, I don't think eight, and nine makes it. No, but if nine they, and eight does, Nine and eight does. So if they they split those 50, if they go three and one in those 50, 50 games playoffs. So it, listen, I'm I'm willing to now talk about the playoffs like it's a legit possibility because I think it is a legit possibility. Now, that door can close very happen. quickly. That door can yes. close very quickly. I think but that's not next key. week. Let's not close it. The door does not close this week. And they're four and seven. Don't give up. And they're going to need some help, too. They're going to need some of these teams that are continuing to, str- to struggle. They need to continue to struggle. The commanders need to struggle. The Falcons need to struggle. The 49ers need to struggle. The Giants, the Cowboys, and Washington are all in the wild card race. Those teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit. They're yes, going to cannibalize all, each like, other. The entire yeah. NFC East's divisional schedule is completely backloaded. <laughs> completely backloaded. The so other thing I want to see themselves twice in three weeks. <laughs> the last thing I want to say to Jeremy's point is that you're looking at a team that's won four football games so far. They're three wins away from getting seven. And I want to say that if you are somebody who is coming into the season and you were expecting anything more than seven wins from this team, you are being optimistic. So that's why I feel like seven is a really good baseline. If the lions win seven football games, 
you should feel really that's good the about Vegas, the that was trajectory. the Vegas over that was right. the Vegas over to start the year you should feel really good about the trajectory of this football team and not only that you're looking at a Rams pick that's going to be really really good like I think we've come to the determination that like this is going to be a top six pick at worst yeah that was where I was going to backload this segment in that Cooper Cup is came out the news before the Rams game today that Cooper Cup is going to miss another six to eight weeks, almost virtually guaranteeing he's shut down for the season unless they're in playoff consideration. Now, they're not going to be in play, playoff consideration because they just lost the Saints to make it a four game skid, three and seven. And Stafford is be- just came back from concussion and he just went back into concussion protocol. Not good. They're in trouble. That offensive line is made of paper mache. And I feel defense, bad for him. It's like watching 2009 Lions play. The defense sucks, too. Like, yes. this is just a bad football team. It's not it's not them underperforming. It's not them losing close games. They're a bad football team. They they came into this week 28th in DVOA. And that's 27th on offense, 15th on defense with all those superstars on defense. They're 15th. They are minus 59 in their point differential. That is, yes, I just confirmed, that is the worst in the NFC. They they have the worst, I actually, that is the worst in the NFC, and there's only two teams in the rest of the NFL that have a worst point differential. The Steelers, which is very funny, and the Texans. They're not turning it around. No. It's not And, and like, like, even if Stafford has to miss time, their backup quarterback, Walford, is out too. So they have to go third straight. Do you guys even know who the third string quarterback for the Rams is? Bryce no. Perkins. How do you? Know I, that? I can't. I can't confirm. <laughs> it is Bryce Perkins. He did play How in this do you game because he did play in this game against Let's the Saints. Go. Look, well, look him up too, Jeremy. Um, okay. Okay. Anyways, your type got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, do we want to look at the? I was just going to look at the Rams schedule. Well, let's just point out some important. Uh, let's, games. They're playing the Chiefs, Chiefs next week. Next week. <laughs> Seahawks twice. Oh, okay. The division leader. They have to play in Lambeau at night on Monday night football. They have to face the Raiders who, I mean, that's, that could be winnable for them, but the Raiders did get off the schneid and beat, beat the, uh, the Broncos here. They they have to play the Broncos. Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers are their winnable games. But let's say say they win two out of those three. That's probably the only games they are winning. So that means they're finishing five and 12. I don't even think they're winning those games, but it, but I, I feel like that's best case scenario for them. Right. Right. That is best case. This is a wholly broken team. I say that with no malice. I say that trying to be as, as neutral and national outlook as I can. It is a completely broken team right now. Five, five and 12. You're talking about a top six, top seven draft pick. I and think it'll be four and 13. Here's the thing I want to say about this real quick is that. For any Lions fan right now, if you're caught up on the idea that tanking is a not tanking is a detriment to this football team. If you think that the Lions not accumulating losses is a bad thing. This should be exhibit A for why you can enjoy the Lions winning football games this year is because the Rams are bad. Like take solace, take absolute pleasure in the fact that the Rams are losing football games and that you're going to get a top draft pick. And it might be 
here's the thing. We're saying like the Rams pick is going to be no worse than five or six. Can like, I just, it, could, it could be as good as like two or three. It's not just that. Can I just point out the teams that are ahead of them right now in, in the draft order? Because Chicago will get better. Chicago will not be like in front of them in the draft order. They'll pick up some wins. Uh, Vegas, kind of a bit of wild card and Denver, kind of a bit of wild card. Carolina and Houston, I guarantee those will be in front of the Rams. But the others, I can't say that for. Like the Rams could very well be giving you like <clears throat> a top five pick. And that's like you you take advantage of that this year. You take advantage of that to get either to to package that to get something that is going to define your franchise forever. You get that to trade down and just keep loading up on a lot of talent. I don't know if they'd have enough on a Jeremy. I know Jeremy's smiling, but I'm realizing now they've also got the Minnesota pick. That's a that's a lot to sign. I don't know if they'd be able to do that. But still, the point is you've got flexibility all around this year. You identify critical points on this team. You identify what you need to build for the future, not just for the next couple of years, but for the fact that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell got six-year deals last year. Identify and have generational and set something up for the long haul here. This Everything's coming up Lions right now. I was, I was just going to say the same thing. Like This season is turning out to be everything that I personally wanted it to be, which is show improvement as the season goes on, get your young players a ton of playing time so that they develop and somehow end with a top draft pick too. So that maybe you get your franchise quarterback. Like this is everything is coming Mm. up exactly as we wanted. Maybe not exactly as we expected it to do. Obviously a one in six start was not ideal. Yeah. Obviously getting that high draft pick from the Rams was not at all something that we were expecting, but this is an, like this team is in just the position it should be right now. Yeah, and I'm just I'm not a believer in kicking the can down the road on the quarterback for next year. Don't get distracted by Williams and May. I know you I know there's risks on all these guys, but at some point we've talked about this before. To get ahead in the NFL now, you have to have a quarterback under a rookie contract. You got to roll the bones at some point. It doesn't need to be young. It doesn't even need to be in the first round. It doesn't need to be Stroud. It doesn't need to be at the top five. It doesn't need to be the Rams pick, but you need to invest somewhere for a developmental project that will because you'll have golf on regardless next year but you kind of need to play that game at at this point i don't know when the last time was that i felt like the lions could have their cake and eat it too this feels like an upward trajectory for the entire franchise it does and it's it's hard to it's hard to say that's just kool-aid talking okay and that might be the case but it's november 20th and the lions are in this position right now Things could go completely sideways. The Lions could maybe win like one more game the rest of the year, and it might turn out to be a complete disaster. But even if it does, the Lions will have two really high draft picks. Right? Yeah. Do you know That's what I mean? the thing. Like, this is yeah. house money. We're chipping in. That's the worst thing that can happen is that the Lions will have like two picks in the top like seven or eight. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so upset about that. Right. It's it and and I think you're bringing a good point. Like it's it's November, it's late November, and we're able to sip Kool Aid. When the last time we were able to do that was when the Lions fired Matt Patricia the day after the or a couple days after Thanksgiving. Like that's the last time a Lions fan could smile when there's snow on the ground. And that brings us to the conclusion of POD Cast. In the re, in a thank you to our audience because you keep usually around this time of year people have checked out. Not not this year. I see the numbers. You're still here and you're still with us. And you're also donating very well 
to the Alzheimer's Foundation as we continue our Movember drive. But more than that, you're still listening to us. And thank you because, holy God, this team is really exciting to cover right now. It almost feels like it almost feels a bit feverish, but I mean it that I've tried to take my emotion out of it the best I can, and it still looks positive. And then heart and brain, heart and brain. And and I feel like Ryan's point is really salient too. Like, even if we are like drunk off Kool-Aid right now, even if we're like riding a high right now, the, the drop-off is not that bad. The drop-off no, is I don't want to see anyone, in a good position. I, I don't want to see anyone talking about Dan Campbell's job if he drops everything for the rest no, of the year. No, no. We ain't no. doing that. We ain't no. playing that game. That's that it was ridiculous already when I saw it, but I, I know Detroit will try to get back on the train. I don't want to hear it. I just don't kick back, man. Let's just kick back and enjoy some Thanksgiving football, baby. It's holidays, holidays in the D. Anyway, let's get out of here for myself, for Ryan, for Jeremy. This has been POD cast. Thank you all continuing to be generous during the month of November for us. And we'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.